Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus. Amen. While George Washington was in his first term as president, he borrowed the book The Law of Nations by Emmerich de Vittel from the historic New York Society Library and then promptly forgot to return it. Ever. And the library never brought it up. After all, the borrowing patron was the liberator of the country, a national hero, and the first president. You don't just ask that guy for your book back. For the next 220 years or so, it sat on a shelf in Washington's Virginia home until 2010, when the Mount Vernon staff finally sent it back. The overdue book fines? $300,000. Fortunately, the head librarian at the time, Mark Bartlett, did not demand payment, and he has graciously forgiven the debt. We're familiar with debt. Credit cards, education loans, car loans, mortgages. We're up to our eyeballs in debt. Wouldn't it be nice if all that debt would just go away and be forgiven? Then we could be free of the ball and chain and we could really live. Jesus says to the disciples, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. And then Peter approaches Jesus and asks a great question. Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? And Peter, showing how merciful he is, puts a number to it. Shall I forgive him as many as seven times? Now, seven times is pretty generous. How would I feel if someone sinned against me? And I think the force of the phrase here is that I would have someone sin against me in the same way seven times. Would I be able to cheerfully forgive him seven times for the same offense? Doesn't it seem like he's not really sorry? Shouldn't I exact some payment or penalty or deny him forgiveness at some point? Jesus' answer to Peter is shocking. I do not say to you seven times, but seventy times seven. Seventy times seven? That's um, 490 times. 490 is like one away from infinity. Someone once said, Forgiveness is not always easy. At times it feels more painful than the wound we suffered to forgive the one that inflicted it. Forgiving a person who has really hurt us is really hard. Forgiving that person as many as seven times seems like an impossibility. Jesus tells Peter a parable to illustrate how necessary it is for those who are under the reign of God to forgive others. He sets the stage with a king who is looking over his financials and settling accounts. One man who has borrowed money from him is in way over his head. He owes 10,000 talents. Now, those 
who know say that one talent represents about 20 years' wages. So if my math is correct, the man owes the king around 200,000 years' wages. Well, the king calls the man to account, and the man admits that he can pay back nothing. The king cuts his losses and tells his servants to sell the man, sell his wife, sell the children, and all that the man owns to recover just a pittance of the debt. And the man falls on his knees and begs the king to have patience, and he will repay the entire debt. The king is deeply moved and feels great compassion for the man. I would expect at this point that the king, in mercy, might give the man more time, might even pay for a Dave Ramsey seminar, set up a debt snowball plan for getting the debt paid off. Instead, this king forgives the entire debt, takes the financial hit himself. God doesn't tell us about the servant's immediate reaction. Did he faint? Was he in shock? Did he have to be carried out by the king's servants? That's what we might expect. After all, think what this meant for the man, for his wife and children. It's like they had a whole new life handed to them. What we are told is that as he went out, he met a fellow servant, one who owed him a hundred denarii, a hundred days' wages. Now, I I don't want anybody to hurt themselves trying to figure out how these two debts compare. Uh, So I stayed up late into the night doing the math. 200,000 years wages compared to 100 days wages comes out as 730,000 to one. The man meets this fellow servant and grabs him by the throat and demands that the man pay the debt that he owes him. The poor man begs him, please be patient with me and I will repay you everything, but the man will have no mercy. He takes the man and has him thrown into prison until he should repay his debt. And when the king finds out, he's really angry, and he has the man found and thrown into prison until he should repay his entire debt. Shocking. It's shocking because we can easily see that the servant does not appreciate him thrown into prison until he should repay his debt. And when the king finds out, he's really angry, and he has the man found and thrown into prison until he should repay his entire debt. Shocking. It's shocking because we can easily see that the servant does not appreciate. In fact, he despises the king's gift of the forgiveness of his own massive debt. Perhaps he really didn't understand just how much he in fact owed. It's shocking, but it's so familiar. Jesus is showing each of us that we also despise the gift of God's forgiveness when we withhold forgiveness for our brothers and sisters. Our debt with God is massive, unpayable. 
we have sinned over and over again in our thoughts, in our words, and in our actions toward him and towards our neighbor. Yet we seem to think that our own faults and failures against God are light, and that our neighbor's sins against us are grievous, so that we hold it against them. Notice that Peter, in his question to Jesus, doesn't say that his brother has repented or even asked for forgiveness. Jesus says, forgive whenever you are wronged, endlessly. Maybe you're saying, I can't do that. Maybe you're thinking, that's easy for you to say, but you don't know how I've been wronged. And I say, you're right, I don't know. But Jesus isn't giving us a suggestion. This matter has eternal consequences. What happens to the unforgiving servant? He's thrown into prison until he should pay all of his debt. Because he did not forgive the little debt, the king withheld his own forgiveness of his massive debt. It's hard for us to imagine being forgiven a a $730,000 debt and then throwing someone in prison for a $1 debt. But that's the comparison. It's like we're standing in a river with water flowing up to our hips and we see our neighbors standing on shore and we demand that they give us the glass of water that they owe us. Where does the forgiveness for our neighbor come from? Where do we find the strength, the will to forgive? Only from God. We love because he first loved us. We forgive because he first forgave us. In Isaiah 1.18, God says, Come now. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Psalm 103, the psalm that we read earlier, says, He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Jesus Christ felt the lashes of the whip, endured the nails and the torture of the cross in order to win the forgiveness of God for our sins by paying with his own blood for each sin in the mountain of debt we owed. God took the hit for our disobedience. Because of Christ, we have an entirely new life. How do we respond to that demonstration of God's incredible gift? Corey Ten Boom wrote a book titled I'm still learning to forgive. Corey and her family were arrested in Holland for concealing Jews during World War II. She and her sister Betsy were sent to the Ravensbrück concentration camp, 
where Betsy later died. After the war, in 1947, Corey traveled around the world, but in Germany also, speaking about God's forgiveness in Christ. Once in Munich, as she was greeting the members of a church after her talk, a man approached her. She recognized him as one of the hated guards of Ravensbrück. Corey writes in her book, Now he was in front of me, hand thrust out. A fine message, Fräulein. How good it is to know that, as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And I, who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness, fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take that hand. He would not remember me, of course. How could he remember one prisoner among those thousands of women? But I remembered him and the leather crop swinging from his belt. I was face to face with one of my captors and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravenbrook in your talk, he was saying. I was a guard there. No, he did not remember me. But since that time, he went on, I have become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there. But I would like to hear it from your lips as well, Fräulein. Again, the hand came out. Will you forgive me? And I stood there, I whose sins had again and again to be forgiven, and I could not forgive. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out, but to me it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I had ever had to do. For I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition, that we forgive those who have injured us. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, Jesus says, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. And so, woodenly, I thrust my hand into the one outstretched to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. How does God's forgiveness come to us? It doesn't trickle out doesn't come to us slowly, grudgingly, and it thankfully doesn't stop at seven times. No, God's forgiveness in Christ rushes over us like a river, drowning our sin, cleansing us every day of each and every one. And when we confess even our hesitation and inability to forgive others, 
he forgives that too and strengthens us for the task. This is where our forgiveness of others begins. May God, our Heavenly Father, in his great mercy and love, give us all the strength and the will to forgive as freely as we have been forgiven. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We can